we are back with another episode of Oh Hey There. I'm Jason Aponte, joined as always by Leo Luna. Leo, it's been a little while. Training camp is still going on. I just want to ask, how are you? No baseball questions. Just how are you and how, and how have you been doing? You know, honestly, right now at this current moment recording here with you, I'm excited because I'm seeing all these tweets, all these videos, hearing about a freaking fight in training camp. And guess who hasn't talked about any of it? I haven't. I haven't shedded a single word on 49ers training camp. Um, so I'm going to hope that bleeds into a successful and winning season for the 49ers that it took this long for me, 10 practices, 10 practices before I was able to shed any light here on 49ers training camp. So I'm excited. How about that? How's that? And to me, the, the people that are wisest are the ones who gather the most information before that. So consider yourself a very wise man for not jumping to conclusion day one, day two, day three, anything like that, shedding any light on all that stuff. So consider yourself one of the wise people. And I think that that's been my overall message to everything. Training camp can't be evaluated until it's in the books. But you are right. Ten days of training camp. Unfortunately, I missed day ten. I had to get back finally. Made it back with no sort of delays or cancellations of flights. That deserves an applause. But, Leo, quick overview of some of the stuff that you, you've you heard, you know, read, reports, tweets, things like that. What are some of the things that stand out in your mind before we get to the thing that everybody is talking about and or panicked over? Um, what's standing out to me is uh, basically like Spencer Burford. I don't think I had him penciled in to be basically the headliner at right guard 10 days into camp. Um, I, I've said plenty of times on this show, like leave Brunskill at right guard. Uh, don't let him go practice at center. Like he barely had one full season at under right guard. Let him work on his craft and accelerate his progress. Um, but Hey, you know, may, maybe shout out Kyle Shanahan and the coaching staff. Maybe they seen something, you know, behind closed doors in Spencer Burford to where they're like, there's no way we could hold this guy behind a Daniel Brunskill. Let's move Daniel Brunskill to center and have him compete for this winning starting center job. Um, so shout out like that. That's my biggest takeaway is holy cow. Like did, did the 49ers like hit something here with the offensive line in a draft? Because we could talk about all these other positions that they hit day three in the draft george kittle dre greenlaw manuel mosley was an undrafted free agent um out of his draft class but one they have not hit on yet is a starting offensive lineman because for people say daniel brunskill no he came from the atlanta falcons first the 49ers weren't his first nfl organization so this is potentially the biggest day three offensive lineman splash for the John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan era. Let's do it. Yeah, and honestly, Burford has a stranglehold on this job at this point. Uh, I mean, he seems to be the only one who's not coming off the field for any sort of first-team reps. I mean, it's been happening at center with Brendel and Brunskill at times. Jalen Moore, before he got injured, was filling in for Mike while he's getting back. Aaron Banks has been a pretty good constant at left guard as well, too. And Trent's just getting in and out. But again, you don't need reps with Trent or anything like that. But yeah, this feels like it's Spencer Burford's job to lose at this point and he's done a pretty good job especially in one-on-ones and especially uh, in run offense I mean in rushing blocking goodness gracious that's a bad uh it's a bad way to do it but 
very good in the run game. Opened up a big hole for Elijah Mitchell, I want to say, about two practices ago, coming into his own. So that feels more and more like we're getting to a solid point where we know he's going to be that guy. Let's switch gears real quick. Trey Lance. I mean, everybody wants to know, and and not everybody is just focused on Trey Lance, but it's always the biggest talking point after every practice. How did Trey look? What were his numbers? How did he look in the pocket? So much of it I have been preaching is patience in terms of we need to figure this out. He needs to play. He needs to go through whatever bumps and bruises. What is your overall takeaway right now with what's going on with Trey? Because there are people with strong opinions and we're only 10 days into training camp. My overall takeaway is I've never seen a a fan base or just a crowd in general hype up a non-spiral pass ever. I've never seen so much discussion around it. Um, my takeaway on that is, is the, does the ball have enough velocity on it? Yes or no? Trey Lance, yes. Is the ball being placed in the right location? Yes or no? Seems like, you know, there's a lot of times where it's yes, but obviously your quarterback position. Hell, you know, switching gears to baseball. Can a pitcher throw a strike down the middle every single time? Jay, does Garrett Cole of the New York Yankees walk anybody? Uh, Occasionally, yes. Yeah, exactly. So it's like not every pass is going to be, you know, it's this is not Madden we're here playing. But for the most part, is the location at, in a impressive, you know, spot? Yes, it is for Trey Lance. We've seen him roll out with Fred Warner in his face, hit a dime to the side of the end zone to Brandon Ayuk. Like he puts the ball in impressive locations. Now, would a spiral make that play any better? Hell no, it wouldn't. I don't care about the spirals. If you're giving me spirals, but it's a, a tier below Trey Lance's velocity and a, and a tier below Trey Lance's accuracy, what's the spiral good for? Like, I just feel like that's a discussion that's been blown out of proportion. And also one thing is I don't care about the completions to the attempts, to the yards, to the interceptions, to the touchdowns in, in training camp. I don't care about that. I think you're the one who posted this on Twitter, basically saying like Patrick Mahomes after a few practices, looks like the Kansas City Chiefs are going to regret moving on from Alex Smith. (laughs) It's kind of funny because he's been a perennial pro bowler since that report. Um, So it's like, I don't care about these guys. I've played, you know, I've done training camp at a much lower level than the NFL. I'm not going to hype myself up, but I've done camp through high school, through college. Um, And I'll tell you what, a lot of these times is they're working on certain timing plays. They're working on certain routes, certain protections um, with these plays as well. There's just so much nuance that goes within it to where you can't look at a true completion percentage. Because you know what? This isn't counting towards their stats this isn't live games this is when you make your mistakes to to ensure that those mistakes don't bleed over into the games and that's that's where you got you got to take a step back stop sitting field level stop sitting in the hunter section with these training camps go sit up to the 400s get the full view of it and you get the vibe that way yeah and i think that it's so funny. I think everybody's in agreement that Trey Lance is going to take bumps and bruises. Well, the bumps are coming. They're there. And, and it's been a little bit up and down, to say the least, at this point. 
and to me, the completion percentage thing, it's so it, it doesn't indicate where the progress is. And let me explain. This is why everybody needs context. OK, a incompletion isn't necessarily a bad rep and a completion is not necessarily a good rep, meaning there were things that you probably could have done wrong that led to a completion. You could have done everything right and got an incompletion. And I, I keep hammering this home to 49ers fans. If you got a report that said that Trey Lance was 12 for 12 and just got that number and someone tweets that out, Trey Lance was 12 for 12 today. But then someone gives you the context that they were all screen passes. Does that not help you understand where he's at with this? So, again, progress in terms of protecting the ball, being good in the pocket, and getting over some of the accuracy issues, yeah, sure, that the completion percentage kind of bears that out, but it doesn't necessarily tell the full story. For instance, what happens if Trey Lance drops a beautiful ball into Debo Samuel's hands and at the last second, Emmanuel Mosley knocks it out? That's an incompletion on Trey Lance. But that doesn't mean that Trey Lance should be dinged for that. What if there's a play where Trey Lance throws the ball that's a little bit higher, Brandon Ayuk goes and snags it? That's a completion. So you see what I'm saying? Like, it's not the raw numbers. I stopped charting those numbers at camp. I stopped. What I did do was I wrote down everything that I saw on that play. Rolled out right. Had to throw it away. Rolled out right. Threw it in between two guys. Those are the things that matter. Not the numbers. The numbers do not matter. I promise you they don't matter. And Debo Samuel hasn't been there. The offensive line hasn't been completely whole. Debo Samuel's back. And I actually wanted to drop this little nugget real quick. Debo Samuel and Trey Lance are clearly not on the same page as of right now. As of right now. And that's all going to change once Debo Samuel gets into football shape and they have a little bit of of rapport going. But the place where they seem to be struggling the most is down the field on deep passes. And it seems to be that Debo Samuel's either covered or the ball's just not there. They're just not on the same page at this point. And they stayed after practice, I want to say after day seven, working on that. But I wanted to go through something that Matt Harmon of Reception Perception has posted about Debo Samuel. It's a great tool. I implore you guys to try it. I'm not trying to endorse it in any way, but I want to make sure I credit the work. Every single player that he charts has success by route and success and route percentage, okay? If you look at Debo Samuel's route percentage, nine, which is a straight go route, and post were some of the lowest ran routes by Debo Samuel, meaning he only ran nine routes 7.3% of the time and post 4.3% of the time. Now, how much of that has to do with Jimmy Garoppolo? Sure, but maybe that's just not in his bag. What he excels at are digs and slants, and that's where they have to get their 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 rapport down. So with everything, the numbers don't necessarily bother me or move me and sway me in one way because there were two and three days where Trey actually stacked good days, made good decisions, looked, scanned the field, saw somebody else down um, down in a check down. That's a completion. It's not a completion that knocks your socks off. But it shows growth. And I think that when you look at the completion percentage portion of this, I think that as a raw stat, it's not meaningless. But in no way am I going to just look at that and say, oh, my goodness, he's struggling. Because before we got on here, we started looking around on training camp. There's another second-year quarterback who's actually not having a very good training camp. And he actually played last year, one Mac Jones. Is it time to freak out about Mac Jones now? And he actually played an entire year? What would you be more concerned about, whether Mac Jones is struggling in year two or whether a guy who hasn't played extended football or had many reps is struggling in his first camp? That's an interesting thing. 
but it seems like it's only panic in 49ers land and for the national media who likes to exacerbate that and shake the hornet's nest as the 49ers fan base. And I, I think it's interesting that you brought up Debo Samuel and Trey Lance's chemistry um, because those are, those are the most say difficult routes to gain timing on. That's why I wanted this deal to get done. Cause if we're talking about a, f- a post and a fade, those are balls that you could throw up and say, go run it down or go j- jump up and catch it with these slants and these digs, anything through the middle, that's all timing. Cause you're going to have the majority of the defense in the middle. Odds are they're going to be playing more inside the numbers, more guys inside the numbers than there are guys outside the numbers. Um, so it's a lot of that is chemistry between these two and they're, they're crucial. They're the highest of difficulty. They're the all Madden compared to the pro of trying to throw a fade route. That's what these are. And that's why I wanted this deal to get signed sooner because I, I thought to myself, like, yo, like this, this chemistry, they need to get it down. Like we saw Debo Samuel come down with insane catches last year from Trey Lance. Uh, especially in the Arizona game where he's jumping over guys and catching it. While those are nice, you don't want to be in those positions consistently. You want to make those catches a little easier for Debo Samuel. And how that happens is these guys, they got to start learning each other and playing off each other, much like how Brandon Ayuk and Trey Lance are doing right now, considering the camp that Ayuk is having. Yeah, and again, this is all context that is needed when you're looking at this no number is going to make me say right off the bat with raw numbers Trey Lance is ready he's ready to go I mean he's ready right now but it's still a work in progress again everyone agrees bumps and bruises were were going to happen I just think that there's a lot of people that didn't want to hear about bumps and bruises it's easy to say that but then when you start to read some of the things that are out objectively He's missed some guys high. He's made some very spectacular throws. But objectively, I don't think that people wanted to hear that because of the excitement of Trey Lance. Let's stick with the wide receivers, though, real quick, Leo. In terms of what you've been hearing for wide receivers, because I can tell you, Juwan Jennings makes a play one day. Ray Ray McLeod makes a play one day. Danny Gray makes a play one day. You came up with this topic, and I think it's great. And it's called Iced or Hot, which has to do with coffee. (laughs) I'm actually a hot coffee guy. I'm an iced coffee guy. Go ahead. All right. There you go. Perfect. So iced or hot, do the 49ers need to consider Odell Beckham Jr., who will be playing in the second half in some capacity because he's coming off of the ACL injury that he suffered in the Super Bowl? Absolutely. I I do think it's somewhat. Now, listen to how Jason asked that question. Rewind it 15 seconds if you have to. Do the 49ers need to consider, not, not sign, consider, Hot. I think it's hot. Give me the hot coffee this time. Preferably peppermint mocha, please. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes, they need to consider taking OBJ because, one, he's my favorite player. So that should absolutely be in considerations if you're, you know, John and Kyle. But, two, it's like Jay said. It's, you know, from things I've seen on the Internet, plenty of other fans seen it on the Internet. That's not there personally. It's, you know, Brandon Ayuk. And then maybe another guy, another day. But odds are, they're probably not creating separations at a consistent level. Um, so I, I need somebody else to be in there to step up. Because one, one if this Debo Samuel and, and Brandon Ayuk thing le- leaks out to the season, how, how much is that going to affect the wide receiver room? Now, one, I don't think it, I don't think it will, and I'm not projecting that. 
Um, two, it's like, why wouldn't you rather have more dogs and playmakers on your team anyways? If OBJ wants to come here on a prove-it deal on a team, knowing he's not going to get 20 targets, 15 targets, 10 targets a game, why not? Why, like, why would you not consider that talent? We we obviously seen last season he's not a cancer in the locker room, right? We could er- erase that narrative, right? Like that's that's not there. We're we're not talking about chemistry anymore with him, right? All right, cool. We could erase that narrative. But it's one if Debo Samuel misses a game. He missed it last year. Who says he's not to miss one this year? One if Brandon Ayuk misses a game. Like COVID's still a real thing. One if he tests his positive game day. Um, and now you're gonna be out there with just what Debo Samuel, Juwan Jennings, and Ray Ray McLeod, like. To me, Debo Samuel, Odell Beckham, and Juwan Jennings sounds a lot sexier. No pun intended. Uh, so it's like, give me that. If if he wants to come here on a prove it deal, and he's a veteran, like people can talk about what what happened in Cleveland. He went over 100 yards against the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. He was pacing to have well over 100 yards in the Super Bowl. This guy's meant for the spotlight. He's meant for the big games. He's not going to crumble. And you need guys like that on your team. I would 100% consider it hot, hot, hot. Okay, so if we're going with the favorite player narrative, I had been banging the table for the 49ers to bring in one Julio Jones. But yeah, guys, he's washed, man, right? Oh my goodness, he's washed. And it was never because I felt the team needed him. It was more because of depth. And I think that Leo does bring up a good point about this at this point. Look, right now, Brandon Ayuk is a superstar. He is absolutely crushing training camp. Debo Samuel's getting up to speed. I don't have any concerns about him getting up to speed. Jawan Jennings is struggling this camp, struggling with drops, struggling with separation right now. Don't know what's going on. Does it have to do with the fact that this secondary right now, Emmanuel Mosley in his contract year, Charverius Ward got the bag, are playing lights out because they are? Sure. But Jawan Jennings was looked at as a guy that you could pencil in right away. Okay. Danny Gray has had issues getting off in one-on-ones. Seems like right now in the beginning, until he learns how to do that, beat press, beat man, Kyle Shanahan's going to have to get him open off the line of scrimmage and get him open himself and let that speed play. You'll you'll find reps and you'll see on -on 11-on-11s and one-on-ones, at times he's wide open down the field. They get that thing to him and you're like, there it is. Other times he gets clamped at the line. He's a young receiver. He's got to work on that. This is the NFL. Press is so much different in this league than it is in college. And he had issues in college doing that. So right now, can you rely on Danny Gray? I know, again, calm down, 10 days into training camp. But then Ray-Ray McLeod comes in, and he's this, this kind of gadget guy. They they use him for, for quick throws, a little bit like Devo, things like that. This team, after, and if God forbid one of these guys goes down, yeah, they're a little thin, I think, at this point. So I would, it, this sounds like I'm getting ready to say it's hot. I just think it's iced, and here's why. If if Od- if Odell was out there ready to go week one, I think that you already make this move. Like, you you already jump out on this. But you don't know how long he's going to be out. You don't know what kind of, kind of shape he's going to be in. You don't know how long it's going to take him to get up to speed with this. And I understand, Leo. I get it. Odell Beckham's your favorite player. Julio Jones is my favorite player. Unfortunately, we don't get the things that we want. And I don't think this team is actually going to do something about that, even if he is out there. There's been reports that the Rams are still in contact with him. Seems like they have a good report. They would love to get him back over there. Yes, they brought in Allen Robinson. You know, the Packers are another team that make a lot of sense because they have Allen Lazard as their number one. Christian Watson hasn't even taken a rep yet. 
Romeo Dobbs out of Nevada is he's making waves, but do you think that Romeo Dobbs is going to be a guy right off the bat with Aaron Rodgers that will make the things happen? So I'm going to say ice, but I am going to agree with your overall point, especially being there at camp. The inconsistencies of the guys behind the top two guys that you know, and we could throw George Kittle in there. We know he's a, a pass catcher and, you know, obviously he's a tight end. But I do agree with you. The depth and and the the guys, if they need to be pressed into a corner and be pushed to play meaningful downs, would make me a little bit nervous. Now, let me give you a little bit more context again the secondary is clamping everyone. And Traverius Ward has maybe had one so-so day, but every other day he's either making a play or erasing routes and not allowing the ball to go to him. So maybe there's a little bit of that, but I do have concerns that Jawan Jennings can't beat certain guys on the second team or that Danny Gray can't get off of the press against a guy like Ambry Thomas at times or, or anything like that. Like, like that is concerning. So the depth is an issue. I'm just going to say iced, but... I do agree with your overall sentiment about this wide receiver room. I thought it was actually a positive he won't be there week one because how I would look at it as kind of like a trade deadline acquisition. Boom, you get Odell Beckham. You get him for playoff push. Um, that's how, And you also give time to these young guys. You know, he's not going to – if he's out for the first, what, nine weeks, he's not going to count towards your 53-man roster, um, I believe. So you're able to still have those six receivers there. Um, so I looked at it as a positive. You're able to have him in the room, maybe teach guys things based off what he sees. Because we've, we've heard from plenty of different teammates that Odell was like a big brother to them. So if you could give that to a guy like Danny Gray or, or Juwan Jennings, Juwan Jennings would be a good one to link with Odell, you know, since he is going to do a lot of stuff out of the slide, even though Odell does lines up everywhere. But Odell just like his football IQs at a different level. And I think Juwan Jennings is also a smart football player. If you could put those two in the same room, I think you could have a, a lot of great conversations. I hear you. It's a great sentiment. I just don't think they do that because one thing that the 49ers front office tells me is if you want a player and you really like him, hey, they're going to go out of their way to not sign him. They're going to sign somebody who is not anywhere near who you <laughs> who you ever wanted. If your favorite player is out there, the San Francisco 49ers know that that's your favorite player and they will not sign him ever just to spite you. So let's uh, let's switch gears again. Let's talk a little bit of fantasy football, right? We're having a good time talking about training camp, but fantasy football. Buy or sell stashing Jordan Mason on fantasy draft night or in your dynasty league if you've done your rookie drafts as well. Matt Mayoko actually went out and threw some heavy praise on Jordan Mason. I've been thoroughly impressed. I could make the argument that in all of the reps that Jordan Mason has gotten, some a little bit more than others on certain days, he's been the most consistent running back on the team, day to day, practice to practice. Leo, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm absolutely taking him in the, you know, usually my last round will be the kicker. I think this year, the last round is going to be Jordan Mason. When Matt Mayoko goes on... 49ers talk and says his he hasn't he's not released his predictions yet but he gave gave an early early announcement saying that he believes Jordan Mason is in the lead the 49ers in rushing yards this season and then once again bringing it back full Brian Windhorse now why would he say that why would the Jazz do that so that's where I believe that it may not be a week one week two week three or week four thing 
but I'm stashing Jordan Mason on my fantasy team because based off of everything you're seeing and you're telling us and everybody here, this is like Jordan Mason can be a dude. He can be a guy in, in Kyle Shanahan's offense. So when we're talking fantasy late round stashes here, like, yeah, like give me that because this is a guy who's probably going to win me matchups in week five maybe in week eight, maybe week 10, 10 through 12, like he could win me some matchups. We've seen it before. He he could be like the Raheem Moster in 2019 to where all of a sudden he's popping off with a couple hundred yard games. And I haven't seen it firsthand with my own eyes, but I know when you're going off, when Brad Graham of the SF Niners is going off, when Matt Mayoko is going off, like, all right, he's a dude. This is probably somebody I'm going to have to draft late round in my fantasy team. Yeah, and the running back room, for some reason, has one or two days where one guy does one thing particularly well, one guy does another thing. Well, I will tell you this. On the last two practices that I was there for, the entire running back room was very good. Jeff Wilson was getting up to speed again, and Elijah Mitchell had his best session, and uh, Jermichael Hasty even ripping off big runs, and Ty Davis Price is finding his footing. But with Jordan Mason, he's been consistently doing it every single practice whenever he gets the reps. One, one session, it'll be Jordan uh, Jordan Mason. Jermichael Hasty catching a nice pass, not doing well in the run game. One session, it'll be Elijah Mitchell doing well in the run game, maybe drops the pass. Trey Sermon's dropped the pass. Trey Sermon has looked very good as well, too. He's So, again, you, you have to think about how many guys are in this room. But consistently, every single practice, Jordan Mason's catching the ball and running well. And that's the thing that jumps out. It's like in the beginning when the running backs were struggling, when Jeff Wilson was having an issue, when Trey Sermon was dropping passes, he's dropped two or three. I've seen it. Jordan Mason, every time somebody rips off a run, we all looked at each other like, that. Is that Mason again? So in Dynasty Leagues, you definitely need to hold on to him. Throw him in your taxi squad, depending on your rules, things like that, because you may have to activate him after week one. You may not be able to bring him up and down from there. But that is somebody who, like an Elijah Mitchell, who was drafted later on, even though Trey Sermon was taken early on. You know that Kyle Shanahan doesn't care about draft capital, where they drafted you. If you're playing better, you have a chance to play. And once you get a hold of that, he's the guy that is hard to knock down. You can't get him down on the first try. And once they put the pads on, he really started to, to take off. So, yes, I am buying the Jordan Mason hype, man. And I am going to keep campaigning for him to make the 53, even though this running back room has come a long way in these 10 days. So, yeah, give me Jordan Mason, man. I like it. I would, I would say if you're in a redraft league, depending on your bench spots, you don't necessarily have to draft him. But that could be somebody that when the, when the waivers open first, first week, if you see a little something from him, and let's say he doesn't necessarily pop off, and you've got a, a, a one spot that, of a player that you just took a shot on that isn't, move him out and move him in and keep him in there and hold on to him if you can stash him in that way. I love it, Leo. Thank you for bringing fantasy football back into it because I love talking fantasy, man. Yahoo deleted my account, but I was like Hall of Fame in Yahoo. And then all of a sudden I try to get in my account, and all of a sudden it's like, uh your password's wrong and i was like all right text you know text me to reset it and they're and then it's a number that i don't even have anymore and i'm like well this stinks and then eventually they just deleted my whole handle after that so i went from (laughs) hall of fame to to you know to couch potato i guess i don't know Uh, is that how is that how the tiers work my goodness man that that seems like a steep like drop from from there yeah it's it's weird it's i don't want to talk about it it's weird 
<laughs> what do you want to talk about then? Uh, since you don't want to talk about your fantasy football. All right, let me ask you this. So you were there for nine days, mm-hmm. nine nine of the first ten, mm-hmm. and you've seen fights. You've seen everything else in between. What have you seen from the offensive side? And if you had to choose one player to say your MVP of the offensive side through those nine days, who would that be? This is the easiest answer ever. It's Brandon Ayuk. And I feel so good for throwing my flag and stamping it in the ground, even before there was any practices or anything like that, saying that he was going to be the guy that leads this team in all receiving categories. I just told you guys not to overreact to training camp, but you're damn right I'm overreacting right now to training camp and Brandon Ayuk because you know what it does? Hashtag fits my narrative, and I love it. That's all we can go off of right now. No, he just looks like a different player at this point. He's getting separation. He's winning in different ways. He's making all the catches. The fight was more indicative, of, for me, of a guy who wants to be a leader and, and is not going to allow his team to be pushed around. It's all in the past. It's all done. But that screams maturity, and that screams like a guy who is coming into his own, especially while Debo Samuel wasn't there. But Brandon Ayuk has consistently, easily been the best player on offense day in, day out for this team, and it has been a joy to watch. What feels different? Like, is it his energy? Like, what's the change in Brandon Ayuk? Because he went from wide receiver two to, you know, 49ers Hall of Fame. Like, what's going on? He's he's winning against Traverius Ward in different ways. At the last moment, he's making a catch. Uh, maybe he's smoking him off of releases. Maybe he's beating guys off of his last moment at the catch point. It just screams a guy who's been more refined, is getting more comfortable, who who has been working on his craft. And the rapport with Trey Lance is there. Don't forget that part. That's the part that probably sticks out the most, that Trey Lance is looking for him. They understand how they run routes together. That is a thing of beauty. The, the Everybody wants to get on like, well, Ayuk caught this long pass downfield. It looks amazing. What I'm looking at and what I see is when he runs one of those comeback routes, which is completely timing. Like you, you're selling the nine. You put yourself, you put your foot in the ground, and you turn, and that ball's got to be banged on you on your chest. Like you can't be late on that because that's when the the, the cornerback is going to come and take that thing. They're lockstep, and that is just a guy who is running the routes the right way. Trey knows what he's going to run, and they are completely in sync. So, yes, a lot of it has to do with his growth as a route runner at this point, which is much more polished, and it's a thing of beauty. But, yeah, a lot of it has to do with Trey Lance and their rapport and how they built that. Well, that's your offensive guy. Mm -hmm. Come on. Give me your defensive guy. Who is it? This is a lot tougher than you believe. This defense is absolutely loaded, by the way. Like, I mean, if you guys haven't heard, Trey Lance is going up against what I believe, with no injury, should be a top three defense at this point. Traverius Ward has made plays day after day. Interceptions, great, great in coverage all the time. Emmanuel Mosley is playing some of his best football right now. I think he's a guy who understands. I just watched an undrafted free agent in Traverius Ward get the bag. I'm an undrafted free agent. I have a chance to really make myself some money. And then there's good old Fred Warner, who's just really all hashtag good at football. But it's got to be Nick Bosa, right, at this point. And, and let me explain. <laughs> and let me explain. Nick Bosa said he was going to come to camp in the best shape of his life. That was not a lie. I don't know how it got better or how you can, but the man, like, added another ab to a six-pack. Like, it's almost an eight-pack at this point. 
and he can only be on the field for a certain amount of reps. For me, I've been screaming from the stands, stop playing him. You're, you're, you're not helping. Like, Trey Lance needs a second to throw the ball. He's ruining everything. If he has five reps on the field, five of them, all five of them, he's going to dominate. Unless he lines up against Trent Williams on one of those reps, and that has been a lot of fun to watch. But Nick Bosa, whenever he's on the field, God help you if you have to block this man. Sounds like somebody who knows he's about to get paid as well. And if he can even take one more step, I think you're just going to see the highest contract for an edge rusher, and I don't see why not. So, yes, Traverius Ward is going to be a very popular opinion. Emmanuel Mosley is going to be that as well. Fred Warner is Fred Warner. But Nick Bosa is so dominant every single day of practice when he's there that it's just hard to not notice him destroying grown men trying to block him. Yeah, I remember when uh, I sent that picture to my dad of Nick Bosa after practice signing autographs without the shirt. And I was like, was there guys like this in the 80s, in the in the 90s? And he was like, yeah, there was guys like that. Uh, he said John Randall from the Vikings. He said Charles Haley of the 49ers. Uh, we don't name that other team that he also participated with. But I was like, because, man, this this guy is insanely just, like, shredded. Like, how do you expect these offensive tackles to block them? How do you expect them to have the feet, you know, to be there in time? And the fact that he's just shredded, he, he, it's just – it's ridiculous. It's on cheat code, like – Literally, I, I was at the 7-Eleven. I was about to buy a bag of chips, and I was like, wait, would Nick Bosa buy a bag of chips? Nope. He wouldn't. I'm not buying the bag of chips. Now, I don't look like a Nick Bosa at all, obviously, but, you know, he he's inspiring me to be better with myself and treat my body a little better. I don't care how good the Takis are. I don't care how good the Hot Cheetos are. I just want to be a little more like Nick Bosa. I think that's a really good way of looking at things. And that should be me when I go out to lunch or something like that in, in California. Should I have that beer? Probably not. That's a beer belly that's about to pop out if you keep it going. <laughs> hey, Leo, great episode, man. It's great to finally talk with you again. Uh, missed you, man. Uh, missed you at camp. We were you know, thinking of you and talking to you the entire time. But uh, I just want to say uh, thank you for everybody who listens. Make sure you rate, review, give, drop that five-star review, say whatever you want. We will read it on here, even if you want to say – Jason needs to cut his hair. Jason needs to stop talking. We will read those things. So don't think that. Just make sure that you guys rate, review, download these episodes wherever you get your audio podcasts. For Leo, for Jason, we're out of here.